0: what's going on guys welcome back to another edition of the locked on panthers podcast bill versetti hitting you guys back up uh it's been a little bit since we last chat hope you guys have had a good time um if you're on vacation this week getting ready for the fourth of july hope it's a good one hope it's a safe one um i mean can you believe it guys it it's july already you know we're recording this on july 1st so recording this a couple days shy of the fourth of july this will This will be Monday's episode, so by the time you hear this, uh, we'll be two days away from the 4th of July. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of you probably celebrating, or if you had celebrated over the past weekend, hope it was a good one. Uh, If you're celebrating on Wednesday, enjoy that. So, we're glad to be back with you guys as we are ever so closer now to the start of football. Turning the calendar to the month of July means that we are in the month of training camp. We can officially say that this month starts training camp only about three and a half weeks until the Panthers meet down at Wofford to get things going. Uh, But we're actually going to continue with our divisional previews. With the AFC South. Before we get into that, uh, we do have. I do want to touch a little bit on the bit of news that came out the other day about soon-to-be former, because I don't believe the sale has been completely finalized yet. But you might as well say former owner Jerry Richardson. He was actually fined 2.75 million dollars uh, after the NFL investigated him. And found evidence of workplace misconduct. We know that there was that ongoing investigation with uh, former or past employees uh, within the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, one of the quotes from the NFL in their statement said that, based on White's findings, that being Mary Jo White, former U.S. Attorney and SEC Chairman, the Commissioner has imposed a fine on Mr. Richardson of $2.75 million, most of which will be used to support the work of organizations dedicated to addressing race and gender-based issues in and outside of the workplace. Uh, and they've, The NFL has also named three organizations, and this is according to an article from NFL.com, they found three organizations that they say have been slated for initial commitments, the first being... Beauty for Ashes Ministry Incorporated. Uh, This is a Charlotte, North Carolina organization that provides faith-based resources and spiritual support to survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and other trauma. It also provides training for clergy and lay leaders in these issues. The Black Women's Blueprint, based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, It focuses on issues of concern to black women and operates an institute for gender and cultural competence that delivers prevention, education, and intervention curricula that addresses the spectrum of discrimination and oppression that affects lives. And the Women of Color Network based in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is actually only about an hour and a half from my hometown – uh, this is dedicated to building the leadership and capacity of women of color, advocates, and activists to respond to violence against women in communities of color through training, technical assistance, and advocacy. Again, those coming from, this coming from an article by Austin Knobloch of NFL.com. Uh, The the Carolina Panthers put out a statement, and they said, quote, The Carolina Panthers recently received notice from the NFL that its investigation into workplace misconduct is complete. We cooperated throughout the investigation and have taken proactive steps to address any misconduct. While the investigation has concluded, we remain committed to improving all facets of our organization and fostering an environment in which all our staff can, can trust they are safe and valued, unquote. So obviously it's a big... It's a pretty steep fine, but on the other hand, uh, Jerry Richardson did just sell the team for over two and a quarter billion dollars, which will become official this month. So, in a way, that's almost like chump change for him, because remember, this a lot of that 2.2 billion dollars is, as Randy Moss would say, straight cash, homie. So Richardson's not exactly going to have trouble paying the fine. But nonetheless, you know, it's good to see that this money is going towards good organizations, going toward a good cause. And um, the team itself, you know, is obviously ready to move in a different direction, move past all these issues and just continue to go forward with everything. So with that, let's move on, move forward ourselves back into our divisional previews as we get ready for the 2018 NFL season which is now only a couple of months away. A uh, little over 2 months is the season opener. So like I said, we're going into the NF, or excuse me, the AFC South and we are going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars who as we know were oh so close to reaching the super bowl obviously kind of came out of nowhere you know it, this, this was a team that it felt like for a while had um had felt like they were getting close but they never really kind of seemed to get over the hump and part of that may have been coaching with Gus Bradley Well, Doug Marone comes in in his first full year as head coach after, you know, coming back, of course, after a couple years. You know, he he had been with the team, uh, but had been away from head coaching for a while after a stint with the Buffalo Bills. Comes in and turns them right around in one season and brought them very close to beating the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Obviously, a lot of, a couple of, mistakes and silly errors uh, wound up really costing the Jaguars and ultimately put the Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, but this Jaguars team they look like they're ready to jump right back in at you you could definitely argue that this team is certainly the favorites or will absolutely be in contention to win the AFC south again. Obviously, one of the questions is going to be, how are they going to replace Allen Robinson? They decided not to franchise tag the star receiver, who, of course, went on to sign with Chicago. But in a way, I think it also means they feel pretty good about some of their other options. You know, Marquise Lee, the former second-round pick. Uh, D.D. Westbrook flashed a little bit last year as a rookie. Uh, Rashad Green, the former fifth-round pick. And then they added to that added to that group throughout the offseason they signed Dante Moncrief, formerly the Jacks formerly of the Indianapolis Colts to one-year deal and then they spent the second round pick this year on DJ shark the speedy LSU wide receiver they also signed Alan Lazar the Iowa State receiver as an undrafted free agent also Keelan Cole flashed a little bit so they've got they've got some some weapons at wide receiver obviously you know maybe not some big names there are some household names but players that are definitely going to step up and really help out Blake Bortles and you know we know Blake Bortles has certainly had his up and downs um obviously he, he definitely had his good moments but he certainly had his share of some bad moments throughout the season but yeah, you know, and he still got his uh, his contract extension, so it kind of put to rest the possibility because obviously there was there's some speculation that maybe the Jaguars could address quarterback pretty early in the draft, but once they gave that contract extension to Blake Bortles, that kind of put that to rest a little bit. Though they did draft a quarterback, they took Tanner Lee, the former. Nebraska quarterback, who was also down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, took him in the sixth round, and he also traded for Cody Kessler. Obviously, though, that offense is going to run through Leonard Fournette, who really, uh, who certainly stepped up big time last year. Over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns, also had thirty-six catches for three hundred two yards. And a touchdown on 268 carries. and those thousand four yards were on two hundred and sixty-eight carries. And now he certainly is gonna have a much better offensive line to run behind. You know, guard was one of the one of the big issues that this team had or that they kind of needed to address. And obviously there's gonna be a Panthers connection here because they went out and they got former Panther. Andrew Norwell, the offensive guard, gave him – at the time, I believe, it was the biggest contract to an offensive guard until the Dallas Cowboys gave that honor to Zach Martin just recently. But obviously, Andrew Norwell, big addition there on the offensive line. Uh, Cam, Cam Robinson had an excellent rookie season at left tackle. Brandon Linder is still good at center you know a little bit of question marks on the right side you know Jeremy Parnell not bad at right guard but AJ Can there seems to be some 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 questions some issues there uh they also took a couple of tackles in the draft as well uh fourth round pick Will Richardson out of North Carolina State very talented tackle but had a lot of red flags a couple of, I, I, I believe he's had some suspensions too Uh, at NC State so there was a lot of off the field issues with Richardson but very talented on film Uh, they also took Casey McDermott out of Miami as a college free agent so got a little bit of depth there at the at offensive line you know so obviously the offense looks like it's starting to get set they also added Austin Safarian Jenkins through free agency at tight end you know, so kind of trying to build up the offense a little bit. You know, they hadn't really had much production lately out of the tight end position. They tried to get it with um, names slipping me at the moment. Uh, Julius Thomas, I'd say, after they made the trade with the Dolphins. But they didn't really get it. So now they're going to try to get get it with uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, also have Niles Paul brought him in in free agency as well you also have former chief and former Patriot James O'Shaughnessy uh, Ben Koyak their former seventh round pick but really of course when it comes to the Jaguars all eyes are on the defense and obviously as we know they're talented at every level Uh, that defensive line has just become a force with Yannick Ngakwe, Avery Jones, Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, Dante Fowler, Marcel Darius, Dwayne Smoot's coming up, Carol Phillips, not bad. And then they still went out and used the first-round pick on the defensive line because they just love building from the interior. When they took Taven Bryan, the defensive tackle, out of Florida with the 29th overall pick. Um, Really like Brian. He was certainly up there in contention. You know, a lot. There was definitely some people that considered him maybe the best defensive tackle in this class. You know, of course this was the class that had Vita Vea and uh, Deron Payne and a couple others. Uh, but they got Taven Bryan there late in the first round, so really going to be interesting to see how he kind of fits in the mix there. Then of course you get to the linebackers, and it's all about Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, so it's it's almost like you could put whoever in at middle linebacker, and he'll be just fla- just fine based on who he's flanked by. Which, if you go on our lads, they do list Blair Brown, the fifth round pick last year, as the current starter at middle linebacker, and then you get to the secondary, and I mean, what can you say? It's just become a dominant. Secondary, especially at the corners. In such a short time, Jalen Ramsey has become an amazing cornerback. And then A.J. Boye turned out to be a fantastic, at at least through year one, has turned out to be a fantastic free agent signing for them. Also Tayshawn Gibson and Barry Church. And, oh, by the way, they also drafted Ronnie Harrison in the third round, which a lot of people, including myself, kind of saw that as uh, a very good value, a little bit of a steal. Uh, Also brought in D.J. Hayden, as a free agent, so a lot of depth there at the secondary, so without a doubt, this team is uh, is going to be ready to compete, and certainly all eyes will be on that Week 2 game, the big rematch against the New England Patriots, so really excited to see what's going to happen there and see if they can really kind of continue to hang with the big boys like they did last year, including that big playoff win in Pittsburgh. Let's move on to Tennessee uh, another playoff team from 2017 also won a playoff game after that big comeback against the Chiefs and really excited for this offense because you bring in Matt LaFleur now as offensive coordinator last year he was with the Rams as offensive coordinator but really that was just kind of by name only because we know Sean McVay was running the show there but now, the Fleur is going to get a shot to control this offense because they have a defensive minded head coach and a really good, I'm really excited. Obviously, he's a rookie head coach, but he's. But Mike Vrabel really looks like he's going to be a player or a coach that players are really going to love. Uh, we know he did an, an excellent job uh, the last couple of years with the Texans' defense. So now he comes in with the Titans defense, and we know the Titans defense is pretty talented themselves. Uh, Daquan Jones, uh, Benny Logan, who they brought in in free agency, and and uh, excuse me, Jarrell Casey up front. You know you did lose you did lose uh, Avery Williamson in free agency, but you more or less replace him with Rashawn Evans first-round pick, and he also drafted Harold Landry in the second round. I mean, this was one of the, the better starts to a draft of any team this year when the Titans were able to get Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry because really all the Titans were missing were two strong forces in that front seven, and they filled both those spots with their first two picks of the draft. So really everything else was... Just kind of pick and choose, and they didn't even really have that many draft picks. Uh, but they also got a solid player in the fifth round, Dane, Dane Crookshank, the safety out of, or the defensive back out of Arizona. Also took Luke Falk, the Washington State quarterback, in the sixth round, ironically enough, in the same draft slot as one Tom Brady. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, also, you know, also also signed Deontay Burnett as a college free agent. Interesting, interesting kid there out of USC. But uh, you look at this offense, certainly, especially receiver. I think this is going to be a, a big step up here. I think you're really going to start to see a lot of the Corey Davis injuries kind of limited him a bit in his rookie season. But I think he's ready to go. he's uh, still got Rashard Matthews. Taewon Taylor, I think, is another guy ready to kind of make a jump up. So, yeah, definitely got a lot of weapons. And Derek Henry's back. You started to see the Titans make him more of the feature back as the season wore on. And they kind of solidified that earlier this offseason when they released DeMarco Murray. Now, they did also sign Dion Lewis in free agency. Um... Also added a couple of college players in free agency as well. And Akron Wadley out of Iowa and Dalen Dawkins of Colorado State. But I think you're going to see a nice split there. I think it's going to be a a solid duo between Henry and Dion Lewis. Also keep an eye on Jonu Smith, the third round pick from last year out of, I believe, Florida Atlantic. A very athletic tight end, you know, yeah, they have, they have Delaney Walker, but I think you're going to start to see them kind of use John U. Smith a little bit more, too. I think they're looking to be a little high on him, so keep an eye on, out for him. You know, and of course, front line looking pretty good, led by the two bookend tackles in Taylor Lawan and Jack Conklin. And then they also addressed cornerback, and, you know, they also brought in Deion Lewis's former Patriot, and now teammates again in Tennessee, uh, Malcolm Butler. Of course, the, the hero of Super Bowl Forty Nine against the Seahawks. So Butler comes in now with another f- former Patriot, Logan Ryan. And then you've also got, of course, all-pro safety Kevin Byard and Jonathan Cyprian at the other safety spot. And then Dory Jackson, the athletic player who j- recently came out and said he wants to be more involved uh, in the game plan, especially on offense. So we have to be on the lookout for that. But, you know, really excited. I think you're definitely going to see kind of a – hopefully you're going to see more continued development for Marcus Mariota after he seemed to be kind of held back a little bit. Um, but, of course, you know, in, with a head coach like Mike Malarkey – kind of can't expect too much it's almost amazing that the titans were even able to go as far as they did but now i think expectations certainly pretty high and certainly wouldn't be surprising to see tennessee win this this division either same i think also potentially could go and i know they had a poor record last year but obviously this was due in large part to injuries houston texans uh let's face it I, i think there's a lot of excitement building for the Houston Texans, namely because of Deshaun Watson. We saw how fantastic that offense was after he took over the starting job uh, in the second half of week one. And the the offense, especially DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, just really seemed to take off. Then, of course, he tore his ACL, and then... Obviously, J.J. Watt was injured. Whitney Merciless was injured. It was just uh, a mess uh, for the Houston Texans. But now all those players are back. Also brought in to Ron Matthew, the former Cardinals safety. Now he's in with the Texans. Also brought in former Jaguars cornerback Aaron Colvin. That was their big free agent signing, four years, $34 million. Uh, Zach Fulton, they signed to a four-year deal, the former Chiefs guard. Signo Calametti, the former Saints guard, to a three-year deal. They also re-signed Jonathan Joseph. Then, you know, a few other players: Sean Charles Henderson, formerly of the Bills. Uh, brought in Joe Webb, quarterback/slash receiver, whatever, formerly of the Bills and the Panthers. Y- you gotta, you obviously gotta love the upside for this Texans team now again yeah obviously it all depends on the health of Deshaun Watson because it is only going to be his second season and I get you know I I hear the detractors and how they aren't a fan of Deshaun Watson's style of play and how it's going to continue to get him injured you know they fear that he's basically going down the same path as Robert Griffin III well time will tell but if that small and obviously he kind of hate using small sample size but in this case you don't have a choice because Watson only ended up starting like five or six games but in that small sample size you really have to be excited for the potential that this Texans def- or this Texans offense can can show, especially with DeAndre Hopkins, who to some people may be the best receiver in the league. You know, he, he's without a doubt a top, you know, maybe a top five, maybe even like top th- three receiver. So you definitely got to be definitely got to be excited here. And you know, again, they addressed offensive line. Also brought in an intriguing tight end in the draft in Jordan Akins. Now Akins is already 26 years old, but got to see him in the at the Senior Bowl, at the practices. And I thought he looked pretty good. I think he could be a solid pass catching tight end. So. You know, we'll see if he fits in, if he's able to get some playing time. You know, right now it looks like Ryan Griffin is kind of the guy there. So, you know, we'll see. It should be should be quite interesting. And then, obviously, deep on the defensive side of the ball, you know, again, J.J. Watt and Whitney Whitney Mercilus back, uh, Zach Cunningham entering his second season. And Bernardrick McKinney, who actually just got a contract extension for the Texans. And then, of course, Jadavion Clowney, who's probably next on the list for a new contract. And then, again, they kind of added to the secondary with Teron Matthew in free agency and then also drafted Justin Reed. And as you guys know, I was kind of pounding the table quite a bit for Justin Reed in the first round of the Panthers. So it was certainly very surprising to me that he fell all the way to the third round. So I thought that was a nice pickup uh, for the Texans there. But overall, I, I'm i really excited to see what this Texans offense can be. I, th- I think it can be very good, but yeah, obviously, again, it depends on the health of Deshaun Watson, because if he goes down, the Texans are in big trouble because their current backup is Brandon Whedon. Which, by the way, for being a former first-round pick at 28 years old, Brandon Whedon has carved himself a pretty solid career as a backup, as amazing as it sounds. I mean, he's been to the league now. You know, this will be his seventh season, I believe. Seventh season in the NFL, again, for somebody who was a 28-year-old first-round pick, he'll be 35 in October. You know, so, so props to Brandon Whedon for what he's been able to do. And last but not least, or for some people they may be least, they may be last, the Indianapolis Colts. Who we still have no. Speaking of quarterbacks, we still have no idea what's going on with the Colts quarterback situation. In regards to Andrew Luck, now he has started to throw a football a little bit, but it certainly comes down to when is he going to actually throw against live defenses and things like that. You know, where exactly is he in his recovery? You know, cause of course he ended up missing all of 2017 after it seemed like he was maybe going to play week one you know they were they were pretty much guaranteed he was going to play week one and then he was going to come back soon because they never put him on pup it was just an ongoing saga and let's face it without Andrew Luck you know because Jacoby Brissett was eh he was so-so I guess but without Andrew Luck this is a pretty sad roster right now you know they they need a a lot of help you know at at least at least they were they didn't really screw up the uh their first round pick after they dropped back to number six uh they went out and got to quentin nelson a guard out of notre dame in fact took two guards with their in the first two rounds Nelson, of course, in the first round. And then they took Braden Smith out of Auburn in the second round. So now you've got Nelson and Smith there. And, of course, Anthony Costanzo at one tackle. Denzel Good at the other. And then you still have Ryan Kelly and Jack Newhort So it be really interesting. I think you could be looking at a, an interesting battle there between Newhart and Braden Smith at the, at the right guard position. Also took... Another one of my favorites in this draft, Kamoko Terre out of Rutgers, who I thought was a, a really good pass rusher there. So you br- bring him there. That's uh, the Colts are moving down to, to uh, a 4-3. So going to try to find some guys there. And then also, because the, remember, this team had three picks in the second round. They also took Darius Leonard, the linebacker out of South Carolina State now. Seemed to be a little high for him, but I have to think they feel he's got some potential as a, a middle linebacker. You know, he'll probably begin his career backing up Antonio Morrison, but you know, we'll see if Leonard can kind of play his way in, into the starting spot. Uh, also brought, brought in Sky Moore, another linebacker that. Kind of had some buzz a little bit about him throughout the the draft process. Um, also brought also drafted Taquan Lewis in the second round. Gee, I can't remember how many did they have. That's that's right. They had four picks in the second round. Oh, that's right because I think they traded back into the the back end of the second round. That's right. Uh, but they took Taquan Lewis, the Ohio State defensive end. Interestingly enough, Taquan Lewis was actually the first Ohio State defensive end taken in this draft you know a lot of people i'm sure there's a bunch of people that thought it would have been sam hubbard but of course he lasted to the third round to the cincinnati Bengals. but Tyquan lewis went in the second round sam hubbard in the fourth and then i believe I'm trying to bring it up real quick to jalen holmes that's it the vikings took jalen holmes in the fourth round. Um, And of course, in free agency, kind of their big free agent signing, at least contract-wise, was Danico Autry, former defensive end of the Oakland Raiders. Three years, almost $18 million. Also brought in former Lions tight end Eric Ebron to work alongside Jack Doyle. You know, we know this offense... Likes to throw to the tight end a bit with no... Jack Doyle quietly had a pretty good season. Now you'll have him and Eric Ebron, especially if Jacoby Brissett has to step in again in place of Andrew Luck. So, overall though, I mean... I like a couple of the receivers they drafted too. Doris De- Fountain, the Northern Iowa product in the fifth round. Dion Kane, the Clemson kid in the sixth round also signed Ryan Grant as a free agent so really it's just bringing in players at this point you're really just trying to overhaul this roster because this roster was just absolutely terrible and it's still for the most part not the greatest but it's starting to get there at least on defense you have Malik Hooker to build around but other than that it's it's a lot of Kind of a lot of wait and see at this point. You know, so if if I had to pick a division winner at this point, I'm going to jump on the Houston train, and I'm, I'm going to pick Houston to win this division. And I could honestly see this division getting three playoff teams. I could see all – I could see Houston winning this division, and I could see Jacksonville and Tennessee both getting the wild cards because there's really not a lot of competition for, at least on paper for those two wild card positions. I mean, you look at the AFC East, New England's obviously going to run away with that division. No no one else is even close. And it's really hard to see any of those teams competing for a playoff spot right now. Uh, AFC North, maybe Baltimore, maybe Cincinnati. You know, I've heard some people say yes Cleveland's a wild card contender, but I don't know if I'm ready to jump on that that quick, but we'll see. And in the West, you know, I don't know. It, it, a lot of it obviously depends on quarterback play for a bunch of those teams. So, so it, it's definitely possible that these three teams can, that this division can send three teams to the playoffs. So with that, that wraps that'll wrap up our AFC South divisional preview. We'll come back next time with the AFC North. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast. I've been Bill Rossetti. Thanks for sticking with me, and we'll see you next time, right here on LOP.